Welcome to Mind, Body, and Business, a podcast that explores topics, perspectives, and actionable insight for a strong mind and healthy body, along with empowering conversations to help you handle your business. I am your host, Maria Moore, and in this episode, we're having another conversation about mental health because in your mind, in your body, in your spirit is where you manifest all the good things that come to the outside. So super excited about my guest and exploring ways that we can do better to improve our mental health, especially for young adults. So if you are a parent like me with a young adult or you have a young adult in your life, most of us do, a nephew, a niece, a little sister, family member, colleague, someone that you really care about that's a close family friend, there's going to be some great information in this episode. But first, I want to talk a little bit about being on the offensive when it comes to your health. We are seeing all of these headlines about flu season and this virus going here and there and whole households getting sick. I know that was the case uh, for us during the holidays. It was not fun. It is not exciting to be down and not being able to enjoy life and get out and do the things that you want to do because you are sick. Now, the good news is Walmart has solutions. Don't let flu season catch you off guard. Stay healthy all year round with Walmart's immunization options. Now, there are so many health concerns, not just around this time of year, but Throughout the year, you know, sometimes there's allergies, sometimes there's ear infections. Again, there's the flu, and it's very beneficial to get ahead of it. Now, Walmart has cost and time-effective ways to stay ahead of flu season. Proactively manage your family's health and wellness with Walmart. Now, get this. Little to no cost flu vaccines are available. Zero copay with most insurance. What? You don't have to break the bank to be healthy. That's what I'm talking about. Now, keep in mind, state age and health restrictions may apply, but this can be a lifesaver, especially for those who are uninsured or underinsured and need access to affordable immunizations. Stay in control of you and your family's health at the same place you do your shopping. Yes, don't you love it? You can park your ride outside of Walmart and get everything done. I'm talking about food, toiletries, electronics, and of course, your immunizations. You can get groceries and a flu vaccine all in one trip. Welcome to Life Made Easy. Welcome to your Walmart. All right, for my OGs, you know, we kick off the episode with your mind, body, and business. Check in. What are you doing for your mind, body, and business? Maybe just one small thing in one of the areas, or if you are ambitious and you're trying to get it done, you still feeling the new year energy, uh, and you are super focused, what are you doing for your mind, body, and business over the next seven days? And if you are a newbie, first of all, welcome to the mind, body, and business family. We like to check in with ourselves every week. What am I doing? This is you talking to you. What am I doing for my mind, body, and business? Do I need to sleep better? Should I read more books? Do I need to take some social media breaks? Should I exercise more? Should I switch up my routine? Maybe try yoga class, go running, uh, get in the water if it's heated (laughs) because it's real cold outside around this time of year. Um, And then for your business, how are you handling your business? Maybe it's your money. Maybe it is your small business or that idea that has been stuck in your brain that you need to take action on. Listen, small things added up make a huge difference. And when we check in with ourselves every seven days, set goals and intentionally work towards them, we can see amazing things happen in our lives. 
So I encourage you by the end of this episode, think about what you can do for your mind, body and business. Write that goal down and commit to achieving it. All right. Um, So this episode really is inspired by my adult son. Um, You know, the pandemic presented so many challenges with him being in college, switching to virtual learning, disconnecting from his peers. And then there's so much pressure to be and do all of these great things, especially these unrealistic standards that we see on social media. So these things coupled with many other things happening in the world and in the personal lives of young adults, shoot, even myself, I'm middle-aged and I'm having issues, but a lot of these things, it's just so much that can weigh down on you and make you feel um, emotionally depleted. And oftentimes we have this mindset of, I need to dig deeper. I need to be stronger. And, you know, I'm the first to say that challenges are designed to strengthen you. Struggles are designed to strengthen you. And there is a lesson in every obstacle. Uh, But when you're going through it over and over again, or you feel like you're waking up every day and you don't have anything to look forward to, that's real. And that's not a feeling that you can necessarily tuck away. So I started digging to find an expert to talk about it. A strong mind and emotional state is so important for our kids, especially as they become adults. It's also important for us who are seasoned adults and as we evolve in this life. Yes, joy at every phase in your 20s all the way up to your 90s, but this takes awareness. It takes action to not only create that experience for ourselves, but to also sustain it. Right now I have Matt Nanoshta. Joining me to talk about where our young adults are mentally in ways we can bridge the gap between awareness and healing. Matt, welcome to the Mind, Body, and Business podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Matt, before we start this conversation, I want to give our listeners a little bit of info on your background. Matt Nanoshta is the Director of Youth and Adult Services in Southern California. Newport Healthcare, of course, the nation's leading provider of evidence-based mental health treatment for youth, young adults, and families with a commitment to advocacy. Newport is creating a movement to shift our mental health culture from awareness to action with the primary mission to empower lives and restore families. Thank you so much again for joining us. Thanks for having me. So Matt, tell me why mental health? Why did you choose that or did it choose you? I would say both. I was one of our kids at one point in my life. I didn't really resolve any of those issues growing up the way that I grew up. That wasn't really the cool thing to do. It was actually frowned upon. Uh, I think that that is still a part of our culture, unfortunately, for a lot of men. And um, my issues kind of blew up into other things. Um, Not only mental health, anxiety and depression and some PTSD related stuff, but also some substance abuse. And uh, I found myself as a young adult and hadn't really accomplished much in life and was in a hole in a really dark place and had kind of just made more of a mess of my life. You know, the suffering that I I experienced, I think over those years, eventually put me in this place where I was either, it was either going to get really bad and I wasn't going to be here anymore, or I was going to be probably behind bars somewhere where I was going to get help. And um, I'm, I'm grateful to have had an opportunity to go into a place sort of similar to Newport, not as good. And uh, start to address all of my issues. And that was almost 14 years ago. And I've, I've never really left. So shortly after that, I started working in the field as an entry-level tech and kind of just worked my way up, went back to school, uh, got certified to treat addictive disorders and uh, moved into clinical supervision and then administration. And I've been doing leadership-related 
positions for about the last eight years or so. So I, I feel like it's a calling for me. Again, I'm, I'm blessed to have had that opportunity and I get filled up by being able to teach people to do the same things that were taught to me and to help people and see them receive sustainable healing. All of my insides are melting as you're talking right now. I think that is so powerful because when you think about professionals in this field, you having that background, not only, you know, going back to school and getting that professional expertise, but having your own story and being able to see people through your own experiences um, is just, I'm sure, very powerful. And it adds another layer of support and healing to your patients. They do tend to appreciate when they hear the stories. I don't tell everybody. Only yeah. when it's really appropriate and yeah. when it's going to benefit them. But it, it is there is a relatability piece there for a lot of people that I think that they appreciate. When you think about people who have had your ex- same experiences, who have had some unresolved traumas from childhood and who have taken those traumas into adulthood, there's this very fine line between taking the path that is going to improve your life versus the path that is going to lead to destruction. What is that thing for you that keeps you going? Well, to be completely honest, there were moments where I didn't want to keep going. Growing up, I, I was exposed to the church and I had I had a spiritual background. And I think that that's probably one of the things that kept me going up until the point where I didn't want to keep going anymore when it got really, really bad. Yeah. Um, and I would say that without that, I'm, I'm not really sure where I'd be. At one point, I had a little girl and mm-hmm. she is literally the thing that kept me going from there. And I had to come to terms eventually with the fact that she wasn't going to be able to change anything for me, even even having her as a, as a motivating factor. I had to find things within myself um, that were going to motivate motivate me to continue to be a better dad, better person. Um, and so I think there were moments where I had to really dig deep. But for me, I feel like the spiritual component um, of my life is really the thing that that ultimately saved me. And then eventually I got the professional help and kind of combined that with that spiritual component of my life. And over the years, I've, I've learned to deepen each aspect and kind of use them in combination. I think that when you struggle with these kinds of issues and you learn alternative ways to cope and you become comfortable, once you learn how to break that cycle and that pattern of destructive behaviors, that's not the end. Um, mm-hmm. Things sometimes get harder after that. Yeah, and um, I think that the combination of things like therapy, things like a community, a connection to other people, a purpose, an identity, a spiritual component, in combination, are are truly the best recipe for for healing for people that is sustainable and long term. I really appreciate you sharing that intimate part of your life with our listeners and with me, I'm inspired. I do want to talk to you about this study, this information that was sent over to me. Um, 52% of psychologists say they're seeing an increase in severity of symptoms among their patients. And 41% said they're seeing an increase in the number of sessions spent treating each patient, which may reduce their capacity to accept new patients. And, you know, I've heard of therapy. I've heard of counseling. I've heard of going to see a psychologist, but I think that that conversation was amplified even more during the pandemic. And I don't know if it's because we were, you know, sitting in front of our computers and our devices and a lot of people were just kind of talking about this unresolved trauma, but um, I want to get your opinion on this study and what you think some of the contributing factors that may have led to the severity of symptoms. Speaking specifically to the demographic and, and age group that I treat, Mm-hmm. Um, which which is young adults, there are already a lot of pressures 
for that age group. There's these stages of development I'm sure you're familiar with. And there's a proposal for a different, uh, an additional stage of development, which is called emerging adulthood, which speaks specifically to that young adult stage where they haven't really achieved life milestones like career, college, marriage, and things like that. So they're not really technically in, in, in traditional terms an adult yet. And they feel that in some ways too. And so there's all of these pressures to go to school and graduate, to find a career, to find someone and settle down, to have a family. Yeah. Um, and you add that on top of the lack of connection that exists, I think, in our society, lack of community, lack of connection with other people and purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, you add that to things like social media and oh, all the studies, yeah. all the studies behind what that does to our brain as these kids are growing up into young adulthood. Now, I mean, nowadays it's like, most young adults have been exposed to social media and, and the computer, the internet and online things and the screen for the majority of their lives. I mean, that wasn't the case for me. I'm, I'm a little old school. And yeah. I remember it being introduced in like high school, junior high, high school. So there's there's a big difference, I think, in, in what we're seeing developmentally. And then you add in a pandemic where everyone's even more isolated from one another, more than they ever have been. Um, and to me, looking from kind of an outside perspective, but also an inside perspective, I think that that combination of things has created what we're seeing now. And I, I also feel like there have has been since the pandemic, we were already working, I think, as a society on eliminating the stigma, reducing the stigma surrounding mental health issues, surrounding substance mm-hmm. abuse. And so I think more and more people were coming forward and saying, hey, I I have this issue. Um, I think the pandemic uh, allowed for even more conversation to happen and and opened up the door for people to say, hey, I have a problem and I need help. So I'm not sure that there was necessarily one specific thing that did it. But if I think about it, those combinations of things would explain the studies that you just cited a moment ago. One of the things that I'm seeing is because kids have grown up being on these devices and their connections are so digital, that addiction is there and they don't realize that the source of their depression is the thing that they're addicted to. So mm-hmm. as someone in the mental health field, like how do you combat that? How do you offer alternatives or help them see that this is the root of these negative emotions? We have a person who works with us, his name is Dr. Don Grant, and he does uh, an educational set of, of groups on healthy device management. Mm. Um, and so that's one thing that we're launching next year for our young adults and also for our teen program. So we're really excited about that. But I think just encouraging open discussions about how social media is affecting them. I have kids too, and sometimes I get caught up in the busyness of the day, the week, and I'm completing tasks. And I mean, sometimes I forget to just sit down and connect with my kids and say, hey, how are you doing? And foster that open discussion that needs to take place for kids to have them feel comfortable to tell me things that's going on with them. And I think that a lot of parents could probably relate to that. I think setting limits is is another thing that for kids anyway, that, that mm-hmm. should be encouraged. As parents, we also have to model healthy behaviors as far as what that looks like. I catch myself regularly sitting there on the phone doing A, B, or C, and my mm-hmm. kids are hanging out doing the same thing. And I, I I sit back and I'm like, well, wait a minute, we need to take a break. Yeah, um, I don't allow it at the table. I don't allow it at, at other times in the house. And so through those developmental ages or, or through, through the, my, my son is younger and my daughter is a teenager. And so I try to give them like age appropriate times. And yeah. I, I think it's a difficult thing, especially since it's such a part of our culture now. I mean, 
my son is almost six and he's on the computer at school um, yeah. and, and learning digitally. So mm-hmm. I think it's a hard thing to navigate. But as they get older, I think the education on kind of what it does to the brain, having them kind of dive into the impacts that it's had on them. How deep are your relationships? How has this impacted you? How much time do you spend doing these things? And just encouraging them to have breaks here and there and and do things that will foster deeper connection, such as in-person things or or getting outside or uh, a healthy balance of diet and exercise and and things like that, taking time away from the phone. Totally things that I can relate to as a parent. I know for my daughter who's 12, you know, I'm like, oh, you want to play basketball? Okay. You want to play the trumpet? Okay. I'm just like anything to get you off this device. So I try to not focus too much on don't be on the device, but just kind of get her interested in something else. But I, I totally agree with you. It can be a challenge as a parent. I know for me, my oldest son, who's 24, he had a really hard time adjusting to the changes that came with the pandemic, virtual learning, disconnection with his friends. Um, you know, he was only in his sophomore year, then he was living off campus and it was it was just a lot. And I would see my uh, my peers who had children around my son's age and they would say, oh, well, my son's going to medical school and he's graduating. And I just felt like, oh, I, I need to have something to show off about what my son is doing. And then I realized, no, I need to be focused more on his mental well-being. And if taking a break from college is the right thing to do, then I need to support that. One of the difficult things for me was, you know, my son going to therapy and feeling like a failure as a parent because I wasn't able to counsel him through those things. Um, What advice do you have for parents who feel, I guess, bad or guilty about not being able to resolve emotional issues that maybe a a professional is able to more easily do. Because that's what I found. I'm like, two weeks later, I'm like, who are you? You know, I just saw the changes immediately in my son after he started going to therapy. On some level, I I think we're all going to experience that in some way. You know, I mean, there's no guidebook or map for parenting. And the truth of the matter is we all are going to make mistakes and impact them in some way, good or bad. And I think that just embracing that sometimes is liberating. For me, I think that feeling bad about where they're at can morph into motivation to look at ourselves to figure out how we can support them moving forward. We deal with a lot of families that come in and and we go through, we are the cornerstone of our model is attachment-based family therapy. So we bring the family in uh, with the teen or with the young adult, and they're doing therapy together throughout the duration of treatment. And there's a, a bunch of different things that they are supposed to achieve throughout that process. And so often parents are surprised and and don't even realize some of the ways that they have been interacting with their child Mm. that may be about their own stuff. And allowing ourselves to be in a state of humility, but also willingness to help support our kids is so important. We bring all kinds of our own issues into parenting from our childhood, from from things that have happened to us. And even though we may have done some things to resolve those things within ourselves, even though we may have had measures of success with certain things in our lives, that doesn't mean that we have it all figured out because we get confronted with new issues, with new stages of development, new things that are happening as our kids grow. And I, I think that just continuing to do our own work throughout that process in an effort to better support them and, and to become better each day as parents is really where it's at. I, I would encourage people not to get 
too far down in the dumps with guilt, shame, whatever may come up and, and look for ways that you can support your kid. Look for, uh, get a support group, go talk to someone, figure out things that you can do to support your kid. Talk to your kid, try to continue to foster that open communication, open dialogue, be accepting of where they're at at the same time, speaking truth, encouragement and, and doing things and even setting boundaries where necessary to help to foster growth within them. You know, you were talking about social media earlier, and I think that there's a lot of pressure for kids that are on social media, especially when you're seeing other people, lots of comparison, lots of, well, I should be, you know, this far in life. And, you know, I talk about young adults and I'm 45 and I feel pressure myself looking at other Me people too. like, like why too. is my house this big or why am I still driving this 10 year old car? You know, I, I think that when we do that, we expose ourselves to that. We become disconnected with our own desires. Like we are so far away away from what is really going to make us happy. I think that's an ongoing struggle to your point. You're 45 and you still feel it. I feel the same. For me, I think it's about just refocusing and recentering on my identity and and who Mm -hmm. I am and the things that are important to me. I do think there's a portion of the social media exposure where you feel that pressure where it may be like a good type of pressure to improve yourself. But I also think that you can get too far into that also and too far into the keeping up with the Joneses and all the external stuff that really doesn't matter. So I think taking moments away to check back in and doing positive things for yourself that make you happy. I feel like the more we do those types of things, whether it be physical activity, exercise, uh, going on trips, different people have all kinds of different interests. The more we do those kinds of things, the the more we align with who we are. I'm not sure if, if I'm saying this correctly. Oh, no, but, I think you're um, hitting it on the head. Learning to be okay with not being someone else or where someone else is at or having what they have. Gratitude comes into play a whole lot with that. Just taking a look at what we have and where yeah. we've come from. And that's something that I think time, you need time. That's something really hard for young people like in their 20s to realize. I think even sometimes failing is a great teacher. Oh, yeah. Or not even not even just that, but being exposed to something that really doesn't make you happy to help you realize what does make you happy. I had a similar experience. I started off in this field and I left it for a little bit to do some things that were far more lucrative and I was miserable. And I... I realized that this was extremely fulfilling for me. It, it, it aligned with my life and who I who I am. It doesn't make me who I am, but it's, it was such a part of, of the, my identity, I think. And the way that I found that was also through my spiritual connection with God. And yeah. for me, that's that's really what helps me to stay grounded is that relationship and all the other things that I've learned along the way. And I love that you shared that because I do believe it is um, best to have a balance of both, you know, the practical, the science-based side, but also a spiritual connection to a higher power, whatever that may be for you. So it looks like uh, it's definitely having a positive impact on your life. Uh, Matt, for our listeners who are ready to make intentional effort toward enhancing or improving their mental health, which many of us are ready to do, uh, what are some practical ways uh, we all can get it done? More specifically when it comes to nutrition, rest, and exercise, because those are typically the three areas that we can control, trying to sleep better, trying to eat healthier, and move our bodies more. How can we get all three of these to work in tandem for the betterment of our mental health? Balance. That would be the number one thing is is balance. 
nutrition, fitness, exercise, sleep are all essential to well-being, emotional well-being, physical well-being, mental well-being. I think if you go too far from one side to the other or too far to one side or too far to the other, it can become unhealthy. Too much exercise is unhealthy. Too little is unhealthy. Indulging is important, but overindulging is unhealthy. And I, I think the same with sleep. I think sleep is is one of those things that is kind of probably more specific to the individual, mm-hmm. but really evaluating where you're at when you wake up in the morning, evaluating what your routines are before you go to bed. Are you watching TV right before bed? Are you scrolling social media? What are you? Are you able to fall asleep right after you do that? Experimenting with those kinds of things. If you're having issues falling asleep, how much caffeine did you have throughout the day? How much screen time did you have? Did you try reading a book? Did you work out that day? There's so many different things that I think we can do and and ways we can experiment to improve these types of things. And I want to also say that I still, to this day, do not have this down perfectly. (laughs) I will say that I've gotten much closer to balance over the years. And, you know, as we get older, it's something that is kind of a necessity if we want to be okay in our, in our older years. And so fitness is really important to me. But again, uh, I've, I've had moments where I, didn't exercise enough and moments where I exercise way too much. And if you have mental health issues or you have uh, addictive tendencies, even that in itself can become really, really unhealthy. I mean, I had injuries and everything. So I've had to learn how to balance those things. And then eating habits, you know, if you're struggling with that, go talk to a nutritionist, I would say. Personally, I've tried a lot of different things. I've I did the whole keto thing. I've done the macro thing. Um, Same. (laughs) For me, I think that um, just having balance with that is so important. Allowing myself those moments to go get a donut on a Saturday with the kids, but you know, maybe don't eat donuts like three days in a row. Paying attention to how my body is responding as I'm shifting my diet. So I hope that answers your question. Oh yeah, it's great. Practical. I mean, very practical to never go from one extreme to the next, but just to find a healthy balance. I know for me, I'm just kind of accepting that I'm middle-aged now and, you know, I got a little fupa, so, you know, it's going to do what it do, but <laughs> I can run a mile in 10 minutes. So <laughs> I'm proud of myself. Nice. <laughs> you know, I look at other things. So how can people follow you and learn more information? information about Newport Healthcare? Um, we've got the website, Newport Healthcare. Um, we've got Institute and Academy. A- Academy is for the teens. Institute is for the young adults. But overarching, it's NewportHealthcare.com. Personally, I'm also on Instagram, Matt Nono. And I'm also on Facebook. Those are my personal accounts. are not really linked to work. But all the information about our programs, our locations, our modalities, everything that we do, photos of, of, of the facilities are all available on the company website. And if you want more information on, on specifics around each region, uh, there's the 800 number there on the website. You can call and get information that's region specific. And if they can't answer a question, they'll typically put you in touch with one of us. Always great when we can keep the connection going beyond the conversation in the podcast episode. Thank you for that info and all of this insight and inspiration you provided to our listeners, Mark. Thank you, Maria. Honored to be here. And you know, if you're not all caught up on your mind, body and business episodes, we have several mental health experts who have contributed to this podcast, who have given great information um, just about overcoming loneliness, the importance of self-acceptance, really focusing on what you want and not getting caught up and tied to a pair of golden handcuffs, you know, working for money and not for joy. So if you have not had a chance to listen to those episodes, I strongly encourage you to browse through our episode list and bless your ears. 
And of course, we'll continue to have conversations like these throughout the year. So I want to remind you that we are on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at MBB Pod. I do get DMs there every now and then, folks asking questions about fitness, diet, trying to live healthy, morning routines, productivity. Um, This is called the Tell Me More segment. And I actually want to talk about something that I saw on Instagram that I felt was so simple yet so profound. And it was two people having a conversation, right? Because that's all we see these days on social media. Everybody got a podcast and people are talking back and forth. You know, a whole lot of uh, saturation when it comes to content. But if you pay attention, you will find some gems and some stuff that moves your spirit. And this one did it for me. So the woman being interviewed she asked the person that was interviewing her, how many red cars did you see today? And the guy said, "Um, I don't know. I'm sure I saw a few, but I don't know how many. And then she said, if I told you I would give you $100 for every red car you saw, would you remember how many red cars you saw? And he's like, yeah, I would wake up in the morning and be looking for the red cars, right? Um, There go one across the street. There's one driving next to me. There's one parked in the supermarket. She used that analogy to talk about how opportunities are all around us, but we don't see them if we're not actively looking for them. There may be opportunities for you to exercise that don't necessarily involve equipment and the gym. You know, how can you get more steps in at work? What are some creative ways to drink more water? Maybe you can chew on ice instead of drinking it down. My overall point is to look for the red cars. Look for the opportunities. They are all around us. There are so many ways that we can enhance and improve our lives. So that is a note I want to leave you with as I wrap up this episode of the Mind, Body, and Business podcast. Again, give us a follow on social media at MBB Pod. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you know I love and appreciate ratings and reviews. So if you haven't dropped your five-star rating or written your review, go ahead and bless us, sister. I would really appreciate that. As always, I enjoyed this time with you. Truly appreciate your ears and look forward to another empowering conversation on the next episode. Until then, take care.